Welcome back to the Vibrantly Gray podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Working. Here in the Vibrantly Gray community, we support older women in pursuing their big dreams. I believe that age should never be a barrier to achieving one's goals and living a meaningful life. In today's episode, I hope you will be inspired and empowered to live your life vibrantly. Grief is a universal emotion and becomes more commonplace as we age. Today, I will be speaking with Angie Hansen. Angie has experienced and continues to experience profound grief. Angie has taken her grief and turned it outward to assist others in their process through education, her facilitation of support groups, and a new line of grief cards. Welcome, Angie. I like to start the interviews with a standard question, and that is, when was the last time you felt you shouldn't do something because of your age? You know, really for me, uh, it was probably when I started my business, my greeting card business. And I was 50 when I started my greeting card business. And a lot of it was, I just didn't think I could because most of the generation was younger. They were going full blown. And I just had this idea. And most of the younger generation hasn't seen the grief that I have seen. And so my idea of starting a greeting card company that was all grief, empathy and sympathy related was kind of scary because yeah, I just thought, well, my age people get it more so, but who will buy my cards? So that was probably the first time I felt like I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't probably do this because nobody's going to understand me. Right, right. So it sounds like it was not necessarily an age-related fear. It was more of a, will people be interested in the content of my business? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with with grief, you know, it's it's foreign to a lot of people, but in another tone, it's really not foreign to anybody. We all suffer grief, whether it's you know, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a loss of a job, whether loss of friendships, loss of you know, anything. So I feel like as we move through society today that we are, we're, we're younger generation is experiencing more grief. And so that's mm-hmm. where I thought, well, how do I build my business around the younger generation as well? Because my audience, you know, for the most part is people that are 40 plus, you know, cause they're the ones that are out there buying the sympathy cards or the grief cards, you know, mm-hmm. And the younger generation doesn't, you know, see it. So that's, that's probably was my biggest struggle in the beginning is how do I sell my cards to the younger generation? And my cards are cards that, you know, you talk to your friends about. So, you know, that it's things that you would say to your friend about, you know, you wouldn't tell your friend with deepest sympathy. So that was kind of my biggest struggle, really. Okay. So could you tell us your journey towards your decision to start this greeting card business and the focus on, on grief? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'll, I'll start kind of by telling about my losses and why would I want to tell my story and where do I come up with these crazy card ideas? Um, but I lost my son in 2006. Um, my son was one years old. His name mm-hmm. was Garrett and he died six days after his first birthday. 
He died suddenly in his sleep at the daycare provider's house. And he died from a heart defect that we didn't know he had. Oh my goodness. So I have a daughter. Um, she was four at the time, my daughter, Gracie, and my husband, Jack and I, and Gracie, um, you know, we just, we didn't know where to go from there. And so our whole first year of grieving was the hardest, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life after losing my son. So then a year after it was about a year and a few months after our son had died, my husband, Jack was diagnosed with cancer. You know, the biggest thing in our life then was we were still grieving our son, you know, I mean, tremendously, and we were still just trying to pick up the pieces to our life. And so, you know, and our focus was our daughter, Gracie, and you know, how, Mm -hmm. how do we, how do we survive this? And how do we get through any of this? Jack fought for 16 months. So he fought not that long, you know, he didn't, he didn't get the chance to. So you know, February, 2009, Jack died. And uh, so, you know, I was left a widow then yes. at, yeah, at age 35. And my brother had actually been diagnosed with a brain tumor five years prior to that. And oh my goodness. Yeah. He had had three brain surgeries to remove the brain tumor. And then March after my husband died, my brother had another episode with his brain tumor. And this time it came back with a vengeance and it was aggressive. And my brother ended up dying April 7th, 2009. So exactly two months after my husband died. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So to say that was (laughs) the darkest period of my life, But, you know, and at the moments too, I didn't, I didn't know who I was grieving. Was I grieving my son still? Was I, was I grieving my husband? Was I grieving my, who, you know, who in the heck was I grieving? I didn't know. And I didn't know how to process. I didn't know. And my whole focus was, oh my gosh, my daughter, you know, Gracie and how, how am I going to teach her and help her live a life? And, you know, and I just, I said to myself, I was just Angie you are going to do this. You have to, you have to be there for Gracie. That was my main focus is just like, I'm, I'm going to do this and, you know, I'll pick up my pieces along the way, however I could. And I just, I, I just, my focus was where, where am I going with this? Where am I going with my journey? You know, what, what can I do with this? And, you know, I just kind of really just started doing a lot of facilitating and I would help people. So I would go to group sessions with, and I usually facilitated adults and, you know, that was really filling my bucket up and just, uh, being able to walk the journey with these other people that mm-hmm. had experienced losses, you know, and theirs were so new and I knew what that newness felt like and grief. And so that was kind of where I was putting a lot of my energy, you mm-hmm. know, at, you know, during that time. So when you were, when all of this loss was fairly fresh too, I know that you were kind of like white knuckling it through for your daughter, right? But were you able to find the support that you needed to keep going? You did. I did. Yeah. You know, I had a good group of friends and they helped me through a lot. There's a, there's an organization here in Omaha, Nebraska that is called, um, well, it was, it's changed names several times, but it's called the collective hope. Now, um, at the time it was grief's journey. 
And basically, they're a free group where they they help kids basically learn about grief. But what they do is they separate the kids from the parents or the adults, whoever their, you know, their guardian is, you know, we go, we break out into breakout sessions and they really taught us the grief process. So that was, I learned a lot from it. It was hard. We went to that when our son Garrett died. And then I went, Gracie and I went to it again when, after Jack and my brother had died, you know, the biggest thing was I couldn't, I couldn't lean on my family because my fam, everybody in my family had just lost everybody too. You know, my, my parents are divorced, but you know, my parents, they just lost a son, but then they lost a son-in-law and they lost a grandson, you know, and then the same with my in-laws, they just lost a son and then they lost a grandson. And then they were close with our family. So losing my brother was part of their family too. And, you know, my same with my siblings, you know, my, I have a sister and a brother and my sister, you know, she'd lost a brother-in-law and a brother, you know, so I couldn't, it was hard to lean on any of my family because we were all going through grief, you know, and it was just, it was hard, but I did my biggest thing that I did was I journaled, I journaled and Mm -hmm. I journaled and I journaled. And I just, that's, that was my healthiest outlet was journaling and just getting my feelings out and, you know, just talking with friends. There was online groups that I would join and, you know, kind of do chats with. I met other widows and widowers. We became friends. We're still friends to this day, you know, even though a lot of us have, you know, cause it's been 14 years since my husband died we've all transitioned, you know, through life differently. And a lot of us are remarried and uh, everything. But when my son died, Garrett, I did join a group of what's called mom's hope. It was just a very small, eclectic little group of ladies. That was our leader. Joanne was not, she had never lost a child, but she was a very Christian lady And she helped us through by, we did book studies. We just chatted. We just cried. Mm -hmm. We just, that was, that was very touching for me. I learned a lot about grief then because I knew nothing about grief when my son died really. So that was, those were my turning points really. Well, and I think there's something so healing about being amongst a group of of people who have experienced the, you know, not the same thing, but similar, you know, situations. It's like, you don't have to explain as much about exactly. your feelings. They just get it. Right. Exactly. And, and yes. so, and, and a lot of times when we are out in the world and we're in the grieving process, we try to sort of put on a, a public face, right? <laughs> exactly. We do. And, and in these groups, you don't have to do that because yeah. <laughs> they know you're faking it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, no, you're not doing yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not good girl- girlfriend. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. No. And you know, and that was one of the things too, is, you know, that's where I first learned it's okay to laugh, you know, and it's okay yeah. to smile too, you know, because we could say something and just like, can you believe this person said this, you know, and we could, we could laugh about it because only we understood that, you know, so that, that was kind of where I learned to smile and laugh again. 
Well, that what a what a, a story. My my heart feels a little seized up, you know, with empathy about and compassion with what you have experienced. And that's a lot. And when you put it in the context of what you were in your 30s, mm-hmm. you it, it was so unexpected. And you don't at that age, at least I didn't, have a a wider perspective. Exactly. Um, but uh what when you were talking about being angry. Mm-hmm. I I re- reflected on it. It just popped into my head that there's an excellent talk. I'm kind of addicted to TED Talks. I don't oh, know yeah. if into TED Talks, but I uh, <laughs> and I'll put the the link to this one. But it, the the concept of righteous anger when you process and this wasn't about death necessarily, mm-hmm. but it was just being angry about you know whatever is happening in your life mm-hmm. or society that you just feel is wrong. It's that idea of righteous anger where you you take that anger and instead of internalizing it, you put it out into the world as a voice of change. Oh, and, I love that. And that is a very healing process for yes. the person who is experiencing that anger. And so getting back to your decision to do the, the greeting card line, it sounds like you have been trying to take that anger, that righteous anger, mm-hmm. and put it into action in a way that yes. can help others. Yes, yes, that's for sure. Yeah. I've always been told I've had a way with words or different things like that. Um, just in writing, I, my husband, Jack had a Karen bridge site, so we could update people, you know, through his cancer journey. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he would write, I would write, he would write out, you know, and then after he, after he died, I continued it for a while, you know, and I would just tell people how Gracie and I were doing. So I had always been, they're like, oh my gosh, Angie, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. Well, and so I'm kind of hush hush in the process of writing a book. No, I was just, I I wholeheartedly (laughs) agree with that. Yes. Yes. So that, that has been in the process, but so, you know, in the meantime, I was just not, you know, I, I was just kind of working. You know, I worked at a local boutique here store. It's like an antique store. I just, I wasn't finding joy with what I was doing anymore. And I just felt like I had, I just, I had felt it bubbling out of me that I had something to give. So, you know, if I'd sit around, I'd sit there and talk to my husband chance and I'd be like, okay, wouldn't this be funny? You know, this would be a funny, you know, and I, cause I want people to realize that grief and happiness can coexist. I mean, that is so very important for people to realize that, yes, we may be in the depths of grief, but we can also be smiling and we can laugh and then it's okay Mm -hmm. because those people that have died, the people that we're grieving and mourning, they want us living and enjoying and, you know, surviving and thriving. And so, you know, I, my cards, I have 96 cards currently and I have it on my Etsy store. So about fallish of 2021, I was just sitting there and chances like, you need to just do this, do this, you know? And so I was like, okay, well, okay. So I'm like, let's, I don't even know how to do this. I basically searched the internet. I found a place where I could take like how to start a greeting card class, you know, like something super simple was like $200. And I took it, gave me great information to move forward with it. And chance, and then I was still kind of stumbling my feet. Like, I think it's that feeling of like, well, will people appreciate this? Will they understand it? You know, because my cards are 
I have a lot of funny ones like, or snarky ones or, you know, sarcastic puns, but I do have a lot of heartfelt ones as well. And so, and my mission was all my greeting cards are going to be focused on what you, what would you say to your friend? Because every time I'd go to a store to buy a card, I, I just couldn't find a sympathy, a sympathy card or a grief card. And I didn't want one that just said with deepest sympathy or, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss, you know, because I had received hundreds of those very well-meaning people, you know, and I, I get it. That's what was out there. One of the things I realized yesterday that I'm very tired of people falling back on the, you know, the newest thing is thoughts and prayers. I know. I know. And I, I, what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So thoughts and prayers, it's just easy. And it's, I empathize with people that, because most of the people that do that, they just honestly have no idea what to say, but it is, that's why I'm like, I want to change the narrative. Mm -hmm. Let's change the narrative because if I'm going to give, um, a card. So for example, one of these are a couple of my first two that I, that I came up with. I said, it says, I don't know what to say. Let's go eat one of those damn casseroles, you know, because that's great. That's the truth, right? Because what happens when someone, when someone dies, we, we get bombarded with food, which is very appreciated and thankful. But for me, I was never going to eat, you know, like for me, I couldn't stomach any food. So I wasn't going to eat. I had, you know, but I just, I would give that to my best friend. You know, I would say, I don't know what to say because you don't know what to say, you know? And then this one's kind of a little play on the same words, but it says, I didn't bring the casserole. I brought the wine PJs and my listening heart, you know? So that that one, one yeah. So you would give that to your friend, you know, and you would, she would understand it. It would have more meaning, you know? And just, there's just so much more that we can give to our friends during their grief than just thinking of you, you know, and basically during the grief process, most of us want to be acknowledged is what we, we want to be acknowledged. We want our grief to be acknowledged. We don't want you to sit there and be uncomfortable. It's okay to say our person's name, you know, because we're all facing the grief. And then I do have cards throughout my line as well that you they're not necessarily for death. They're, they're for just maybe, like I said earlier, like a loss of a job, you know, a divorce. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, what, what where are we going to be for our friends after someone dies? And we'll use us, you know, a spouse, for example, two to four weeks after the death, where are we going to be? Yes. You know, we all go back to normal lives, correct? Yes. We all, we all go back to normal, but we're the grievers, you know, and we're stuck. We're stuck in yeah. the loneliness and the anger and the heavy grief. And so that's kind of why I started this greeting card company. Well, I, I think, I think if, as, even if my opinion is not, you know, really important, I think it's brilliant. Yes. Uh, yes. And, well, uh, thank you. So, so you started the shop on Etsy. I'm also an Etsy seller. Okay. So I'm always interested in yes. how other people are doing it. Not uh, it's candles and, and body care. So I don't have the option of doing downloadables, but are your cards available for instant download? No, I don't. Okay. I just, I have them for sale in singles or bundles is currently what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I print right now because I'm not, I just started last June. So June of 2022, you know, I'm not big enough. I'm trying to get into wholesale. That's kind of where I've been working and gearing my attention towards just to get them into stores and 
but I print all in house right now, you know, so I print, I package, I do everything still in house here at my, in my office. Yeah. So no, no printables yet, but I am thinking about offering, you know, I had a suggestion from a friend. She's like, I'm not going to buy a card and send it. She's like, I want to send a card, but would you just send it for me? So, you know, I'm looking that at that idea offering, popped yeah. into my head too, when you were <laughs> yeah. describing, it's like, well, do you offer the idea of shipping for, I, I send out a lot of gifts to people yeah. that are ordered, you know, uh, by their, by their loved ones. Uh, yes. and it's really, it's convenience. Yes. So you're, sell, yes. you're selling the convenience. Yes. So I'm looking at also, you know, revamping the, my Etsy store where I can, you know, do that as well for yeah. sure. Yeah. Cause I think so, it's needed. So when you were thinking about conceptualizing this greeting card business, what I was hearing is that you had some doubts about whether or not people would be interested do you, yes. in, in purchasing them. Do you have an answer yet? Yes, I do. And people are loving them. Right. I've been, I'm so yes, happy for yes. you. And, you know, and I, I know that from, I'm, you know, like on Etsy, for example, you know, I'm a star seller. I have a I have all five star reviews, so that's good. And I have sold across, you know, the United States. Um, so it's not only people that I know, but I have done pop-up events, you know, and, you know, I just, when people come to my table and they start, they're not quite sure what they're looking at. They start reading the cards and I mean, people start crying, um, yes. People start telling me their story. Stories, people, yes. yeah, and then I mean, they'll say, "No, where, like, where did you come up with these? You know, these are great." And, um, you know, so I will give them a quick, you know, little rundown of, you know, well, I've lost my son, you know, my husband, my brother, my sister-in-law, you know, and yeah, then they're just like their eyes, and so then they just they they I see so much compassion in their their expression. And so then, you know, they, they're like, I, we love them. You know, people buy them, they walk mm -hmm. away, they tell their, they tell my story, they tell their story, you know, and, you know, I'm giving people permission to talk about it, you know, and that's yes. what I think I see at my pop-up events is people are getting that permission. They're like, Oh, I didn't know I could say this, or I didn't know yeah. I could do this, you know? And so that's where it's working. It's kind of a magical moment when people, I, I have a candle business, as I said, and, and it evokes the same sorts of, obviously some of them are deep. Sometimes people cry and stuff because they smell something mm -hmm. and that scent memory, you know, comes, uh, comes flooding back. It might remind them of their grandpa yes. or, or, or yes. something. And, and that was a total surprise to me in my business yeah. that it would be yeah. like, but see, you're you're doing something from the heart, as am I, but you yes. are definitely doing something from the heart and people pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, now, for so sure. I am not at all surprised that <laughs> that you are having those experiences both on the pop-up and that your cards are selling uh, yes. on, on yes. Etsy because whether they are aware of it or not, we crave that heart to heart connection. Exactly. Uh, with with the maker of what we purchase, as well as being able to give whatever you're making uh, to their friends and other loved ones um, as exactly. a show of, the, of their connection. So that's okay. Exactly. So yes. For you. Yes. Yes. So that's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of been, it's been great. And I've, 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 
a hundred percent just enjoyed it. And, you know, I just, um, I always say, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm not here to fix my friends. I'm here to just, you know, be there for them. And that's yes. what I'm trying to teach people because we can't fix, we can't fix what they've gone through. And, um, but no, the, the cards. And I also just actually started selling some candles now. Oh, I, but what I, my I don't make my candles. I basically, I purchase them from this wonderful gentleman. And, but then I, I'm offering my card fronts on my candles so I can print the label yes. to put my card fronts Good. on the labels. Good. Yes. Yeah. So I that's kind that- of what I've been trying to do. And then I've also done like personalized, like a memorial candle, you know, with that yeah. person's name and, you know, maybe their birth date and death date. So I'm kind of, that's what I've been doing. And it's, that's been going slow, but it's, it's picking up a little. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I would think particularly with the pop-up events, uh, that the candles add another kind of dimension to what you're, you're, you're offering. Well, sometime sometime in the near future, we'll have to get together and talk candles. Yes, for sure. (laughs) You had said that you are facilitating support groups of people who are also going through the grieving process. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that? What you have found that people need? And and I'm asking this question because probably because I'm searching myself is, you know, I, I always ask myself, how can I best support this person who is going through a loss? Exactly. Yes. So for the facilitating, you know, through the grief journey, I've done it. I've done it with a small group of moms, just kind of on my own. I was approached after they, a couple people had lost their children and just, it's kind of, you know, just gathering together. But the biggest thing is when I did it for grief journey and I, I haven't done it for a couple of years, well, cause of COVID and all that sure. stuff, but you know, they weren't having in-person groups, you know, basically we kind of had formats, you know, so one week we may talk about our story and then sharing our stories. And that's, I mean, sharing our story is what's most important because people have to understand your story to see, and then it gives them all these ideas and perceptions like, wow, okay, I'm not the only one or wow, their story, you know, everybody has a story, but then we would also talk about woulda, shoulda, couldas, things like that, you know, and like, and with death, you know, it's, I was fortunate in the sense that I could ask my husband, Jack questions, you know, because he was dying, you know, and he had cancer and he was on hospice and we were able to talk about that, you know, but the people that have a sudden and tragic death immediately, such as a car accident, they don't get to ask their spouses things, you know, So that is just one thing is I always during, I don't want people to ever, I should have done this. I should have done that. Why don't we change the narrative a little? And why don't we just start talking about it? You know, so teach Mm -hmm. our friends, you know, have you, have you talked to your, have you talked to your spouse or your significant other or your children about, you know, just all the different things that go on in your daily life. If they're not, you know, they're not around just because, like for, I didn't know what kind of dog food my husband bought our dog. That was like one, just, I mean, that's kind of a silly thing, but I'm like, maybe I need to create a book that talks about lists, just like, like the, I don't know, the death book, let's call it, but you know, you just put like <laughs> okay. all the all stuff, you know, like all right. the stuff, 
you know, and so in these groups, but that's what we talk about in these groups are what have, should have, could have, so, you know, then one of the things we do is we also spend a night and we, we write a letter to our, our person that died. And, and after that is done, we throw it away and we, you know, we rip it up and we throw it away because releasing whatever you're feeling, it, it changes something in your your heart and soul. It really does. So we kind of, we talk about that and just a lot of, a lot of times it's suggestions. A lot of time it's art, you know, art or journaling. We do projects, uh, stress. We talk about stress. We make stress relief balls, how, you know, and it's so easy to make a stress relief ball for anybody to have. And just sometimes if you're just sitting there and you're anxious and you're, you know, you're scared of what's coming next, you can use a stress relief ball, but there's, you know, there's other ways to relieve stress as well. So that is a thing that we talk about a lot is like the, the stressors and how do we move through those stressors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I just, I always, with the smaller group that I worked with, we would just meet for coffee and we would just talk and we would just, I just, for me, I would just let the people talk, you know, because they just have to talk about how they're feeling. And that's, that's where I think we get in trouble with grief, even with our own friends and family is we try to fix it and we don't let people just talk. And even yeah. if you've heard the story over 50 times, a hundred times, just let them tell it again, you know, because that's important to them. And they just, we just need to sit and listen and acknowledge. Okay. Well, and that's, I, I, I hope our audience is, is listening to you intently and, and taking in what you, how you're describing the, your facilitation of groups so that they can provide support for the people that they know that are going through mm-hmm. grieving. So it's kind of giving it, a, giving them a different perspective. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. And I, there's a, one of my favorite sentences in a book, it was um, Mitch Albom's book, The Timekeeper. Mm-hmm. It says, it says that when you are measuring life, you are not living it. And I, I feel like that can go two different ways, like with grief, because I feel like as a griever, if we're thinking that we're not grieving properly, or we're not do, or we're supposed to be doing this, or we're, you know, people have an assumption we're supposed to be doing this, you know, we're not living our life. We're stuck. And, and it's the same thing as the person on the outside. You know, if you're, if you're measuring how you think I should grieve, or you think I should not date yet, or you think I should do this differently, you know, you're, you too are not living your life, you know, and you're not allowing me to live my life. And I just, I've always kind of loved that sentence in his book. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Another book that I found helpful was, it was written by Sheryl Sandberg called Option B. Yeah, I was another person who wrote with her. Yes. And, and there was just one, there were a lot of things that stood out, but one in particular that I've carried forward when I am witnessing another person in my life who is grieving is to just ask them how they are today. Yes. Yes, exactly. A hundred percent. How have you been doing? Not, you know, anything more global, but just keep it specific. How are you doing today? Yes. And that's, that's one thing we do. Yeah. You don't, we don't want to ask questions like just, how are you doing? No, I'm doing terrible. You know, my, my husband just died, but yeah. How are you doing today? 
well, today actually I'm doing okay. You know, like morning started off a little rough, yeah. but I know, got so- out of bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that counts, but you know, then the rest of the day I didn't do squat, but you know what? So right. I call it a good day, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's so true. You, you have to ask specific questions, you know, just for sure. How are you doing today? How are you doing today? Uh, yes. Right. <laughs> well, um, and, and speaking of, of changing the narrative, one of the deepest griefs that I've gone through in my life was not grief about a death. It was, it's been grief about an estrangement. I'll save that story for another time, but it also is difficult for other people to understand that the grief can be very deep and the person is still alive. Right. Yes. You come to a situation, you know, to the conclusion that it, it, it just at the current time, it can't be fixed. Yes. Right. So then what do you do with that? Yeah, you know, exactly. How do you ask for support? You know, well, you know, when, um, when someone goes through a death loss, you know, you actually, you, you experience losses continuously after that you experience friend losses because people think you should be at, you know, that you should be at this point in your life Mm -hmm. that you should be done grieving what you're still grieving today. No, I'm never going to stop grieving. Just like one of my cards that says grief has no expiration date, you know, and it doesn't. And, um, you know, and that's the same. And and it's just every time you go to the, say, if you're lost someone, if you go, you have to go fill out your taxes. That's another grief. You know, those are grief triggers that we have, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just the biggest thing I've always kind of thought about like, like with all the different losses I've experienced, but then my continuous losses, and this might be kind of going off the the rail here a little bit, but no, that's okay. You you know, there's like the three C's in life choices, chances, changes. Okay. So we all that, and, um, you know, you must, the quote is you must make a choice to take a chance or your life will never change. And so, and I like this in my in my perspective and my journey, because, you know, in, in my grief, I had to make a choice whether to give up or survive each day. And then I chose to survive. And by doing that, I had to take a chance on my broken heart and teach it to love and live again. And then during this whole process, I slowly saw my life change into the beautiful story of heartbreak, death, love, hope, and renewal. And, you know, so for me, the three C's of life, I, I live by those because that's, that is where even with like your estrangement, I mean, you can go off those because, you know, it wasn't a choice that you had that maybe this estrangement happened, you know, but, you know, you have the chance to make it the way you need it to be, you right. know, and once you do it, you know, with a heart, you know, it'll change into what you want it to be. Yeah. Well, uh, well said. So it sounds as though you have, you have really embarked on, you know, I talked about in earlier episodes of the, of the podcast about, it seems as though feeling as though you are living a meaningful life is really key to thriving as we are getting older. And I think longevity too. Yes, hundred um, <laughs> percent. So it's it sounds like you've really like found your path. Do you feel like that? I I do I do I, 
I'm showing up more now that, you know, like I said, I'm 51. So I'm just kind of newly into this, the Mm fifties, but I have always said, and I actually on my, I have a website that I'll, you can link to, but I, I write a blog. And so in my blog, my birthday was just April 1st. And so I just turned 51, but you know, my biggest thing is, you know, I show up every day and I told myself, I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to be present for myself, for my family, you know, and because, you know, I get to, you know, my people, I have a lot of people that didn't get to, they didn't get to. And so I just talked about this on one of my blogs about, you know, you hear people, oh, I'm turning 50, you know, or I, you know, oh, I'm turning 60. Oh, you know, things like this. And, you know, if we can just, I, I embrace it. Like I get excited, like I get excited to turn a year older and people are like, you're kind of weird. That's strange. You know, like, do you know what that means? You know, you're just getting closer. I'm like, you know what? Life is short. We, we don't know when our time is going to be done. There's only one person that knows that and we can't ask him. And so, you know, my biggest thing is like, I embrace it because I get to, I get to turn Mm -hmm. 50. I get to turn 51, you know, et cetera, because my people didn't get to. So, you know, we, I'm embracing it. I'm embracing turning every age. And that might be their greatest gift to you. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and I think that, and and I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna or anything. I'm, I'm not that at all, but I believe in every sort of, dark time trauma, however you want to describe it, is that if we look for it, and this isn't a silver lining, it's just that we've learned something, we've been given something, deeper insight, um, a more compassionate heart. Uh, you know, there's just, there, there are things, sometimes they're hard to find. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and sometimes it takes years to find them. Yes, right? exactly. Uh, yes. But but they're there. The gems within the darkness are there. And that doesn't take away the pain or anything. And and that's what I was hearing you say is that you have a newfound appreciation for yeah. having the privilege of turning another year older. I spend my I'm 66 now. I just had a birthday too at the end of March. Watch out, Aries. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I find myself being incredibly grateful. Yes. on my birthday. And I have a little ritual where I recommit to the service that I've committed to do. You know, I, I, want, yeah, I yeah. want that next year to count for yes. some, maybe it's just me, but I want, I want it, I want it to count. <laughs> I, yeah. And I agree too. I always say like getting older shouldn't be a fight within us, you know, we need to honor our bodies. We need to honor our minds and our souls. And what we do with that is we share our wisdom. And, you know, that's where you're, that's what you're doing is, you know, you're, you're sharing your, your, your years and you're sharing going forward and you're honoring your, your new age every year by, you know, sharing your wisdom by taking care of, and you're doing it by taking care of your mind, body, and spirit. So Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. For well, sure. Speaking of body, what what physical challenges are you noticing since you you're a young pup of only fifty one? <laughs> okay, I could yeah. I could give you some stories, but how <laughs> how are you feeling differently? Not about your body, but in your body. You know, I've been blessed to have good genes that run in my family, so that is one thing. Most people don't think I'm even fifty, so. That Mm -hmm. I've been blessed with, you know, probably my biggest challenges is just seeing 
maybe I'm slower. I don't want to go for a run. I want to go for a walk, you know, yeah. or my skin elasticity is not as yep. good as it used to be, <laughs> you know? And like, I noticed that more like right now because it's been nice out and I'm putting on like maybe shorts and I'm like, dang, my legs look a little bit more wrinkly. Okay. Yeah, well, when whatever, did that happen? Know? <laughs> I know it's just like winter was rough, you know, but I, um, you know, physically I, I feel like I'm very healthy. You know, I just really tried to be more conscious of, you know, what I put in my body and what I'm doing. And other than that, I haven't felt a lot of physical changes within my body. I just, I feel mentally stronger and I feel like maybe cause I focused on my mental health more and I do find a lot more age spots too. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did. And I just went to the dermatologist yesterday and, uh, and you, yeah, so and you checked out. Okay. Yeah. She removed one little thing, just a little freckle, but I don't, she was not okay. concerned about anything, but you know, it's just all those little age spots and, you know, and then I kind of get, you know, from years of being in the sun, um, when I was younger and didn't take care of my body, I, you know, it's like, I, I get red, you know, it's just, yeah. and that's just my skin. And I was like, that's kind of, I said, I kind of don't like that. She's like, well, you can get that fixed. I'm like, well, I don't think I really need to spend a thousand dollars to do that. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I, you know, and I'm not disregarding what our bodies look like, but yeah. I think as we get older, other parts, because women are judged so much by their bodies throughout their life, that I think as we get older and that our body is a little more invisible, right, mm -hmm. to, uh, yeah. to people, that our our strength, our courage, our mind, our, you know, our spirit really comes to the forefront. And yes. I have to tell you, I'm liking that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yes. Okay. So I want to, I want to keep the focus on you, but I'm also really curious about how your daughter, how's Gracie doing? She's doing amazing. So she, she was not a very good girl because she left her mother and went to school 14 hours away <laughs> when she went to college. <laughs> no, she, where, where did she end up going? She goes to the university of Alabama. Okay. You know, funny story. People are always like, why did she choose that place? And she wanted to spread her wings and, you know, Gracie was born in the nine 11 era, yeah. you know, so a lot going on in the world. She graduated in 2020. She didn't even get to finish her high school year. She started college in 2020, you know, you know, she, her first whole semester was online and she's 14 hours away from home. She went from studying nursing to studying kinesiology now, but you know, people ask and I'm like, well, she wanted to spread her wings. She wanted to just go South somewhere warm. You know, she was tired of the Nebraska winters. I feel like my brother, Seth, that died, he was a humongous Alabama fan and nobody really knows why wow. he was, but he had like, he even had license plates that said, go Bama. He had all this different stuff. And so I'm like, I think Seth is sending her like subliminal messages <laughs> saying, Go to I Alabama wouldn't be surprised. For, yeah. Go, go do this for uncle Seth, go do this. And so we went there, toured the campus. It was beautiful and amazing. And, you know, and I told her, I said, you know what, you get one shot at this, you know, you go do it. If it doesn't turn out, you don't like it. You can come home whenever. And she's never looked back. So she is thriving. You know, she just turned 21. And so She's just, she's just doing amazing. She has a huge heart. You know, she has been through 
as much loss as I have been. And she's, you know, she, she's, she's got a very deep soul and, you know, for that, I'm, I'm grateful for. Well, tell her we all say hello. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know and, if I could get her to listen to the podcast or not for sure. <laughs> you know, I actually am hoping, and I've had a few people reach out that says, you know, you're, you're, you're marketing this to women 50 and older, but I think maybe younger women could benefit from hearing these stories as well. And I, I don't disagree, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't either. You know, I just, it's, I think when it, when, you know, like say when I share this to my, you know, my social, my, my audience, I like, I have a broad audience and so people are going to be interested. And so, you know, you're, you're going to get listeners of definitely think of all different ages. So and for that, I think that's, I think that's beautiful and amazing because I think someone that's in their forties, you know, they might look to someone 50 plus, you know, 60 plus to see what, what do I have to look forward to? Or what can I do? Or what can I strive to be and, you know, or do better at? So I think what you're doing is, is a good. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't want to, we're, we're talking a long time, but I, I, know, I, I know. That, <laughs> that we cover, that we cover everything, but what is one thing you wish more women talked about when it comes to life after 50? I always go back to grief, but I just wish we would talk about how real life is and let's talk real talk. Let's cut through all the, you know, the baloney and just talk about, you know, our aging parents. Let's talk about our, you know, let's talk about our health, you know, like I didn't get a good mammogram, you know, or something, you know, because I think we hide that because we're scared. And I think we need Mm -hmm. to talk more about grief and just like, you know, and maybe even talk to if, if you have parents that are living or grandparents that are living or, you know, wherever you're at in your age, ask them questions, you know, talk to them because maybe they've held in so much their whole life. And, you know, because we never talked about stuff before and they are the greatest storytellers. And like I always say, I, everyone has a story and the people that are 70 plus in my life, I feel like they have the greatest stories. So I just feel like we need to talk more to our elders and learn from them. And, and that's good. Could be 50, you know, I mean, you could be 50 and still learn so much. And I think that's important. Right. And, and throughout your, uh, your interview, your comments here, I, you know, I've heard a theme of let's listen to one another's stories. Yes. Which is what this podcast is all about, right? Because I really believe in the, in the power of stories too. Yes. So I, you know, I, I had sent you some, some questions that I know you, you thoroughly prepared for. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just yes. edit that yeah. out too, <laughs> but okay, uh, okay, I, was po- I was poking at you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, is there uh, one that we haven't, you know, some of the, these questions have been sort of embedded in our, you know, in our conversation, but is there one that you had that you really wanted to address that I didn't directly ask? You know, you kind of really did. I think we kind of talked about most everything, but okay. I really feel like, you know, like, you know, just one of the, the one, the, what piece of advice insight do you want to share with our listeners? That oh, was yes. kind of one of your questions you had, but, yeah. and that, and I think that's where I thought were, that's the welcome to Holland story. So 
Okay. All right. So before we get to the welcome to Holland story, I have one question that was not on the list uh, yes. because I want, I want your like initial reaction to it. But as we talked about earlier, you know, I have a candle company, you're starting to sell candles. So we understand the power of scent, right? Yes. But, uh, but we think of, when we think about what evokes memories, it could be most of the time, I think we think about music, yeah. right? It's like, oh yeah, that's a yep. song that I listened to over and over again during that breakup with the boyfriend that I can't even remember their, his name now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, um, I've started to really understand through my business, the power of scent memory. Yes. And, and, and so what, if you could describe your life currently, okay. In mm -hmm. terms of scent, what, what scent would you say best captures where you are at this moment? I think, and this is just because this is how I live my day to day life, but it's heaven, a heaven scent. And when I think of heaven scent, I think of a baby's head. Oh my goodness. I, okay. Cause that's, that's, that's heaven right there. I mean, they just came out. I just, any smell of a newborn baby, um, is amazing. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting because, uh, one of my coworkers, team members, she's serving as an emergency babysitter for a six week old girl, little girl, and uh -huh. she's bringing her to the gallery. And the first thing I said is, to, to, to her, it was not the baby, but the woman who's taking care of her. I said, Oh, I get to come in and smell a baby's head. <laughs> yes. And that's, I, I could sniff babies all day long and people probably think that's weird, but to me, that's, that's you're, you're getting a little slice of heaven right there is what you're getting, you know? <laughs> okay. Well, I don't currently have a scent that is baby's head. Okay. But maybe, yeah. maybe you're on to something. Maybe you want to <laughs> develop that with your candle maker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, I know that you um, have some insight that you want to share with us in the form of um, what is her name? Emily Pearl Kingsley. Correct. So yep. do you want to, do you want to go ahead and, and, and share what you have um, with you? Yes. Yes. So um, a good friend of mine sent this to me and it's called Welcome to Holland and it's by Emily Pearl Kingsley. It's just a small essay that she wrote back in 1987. Her son has Down syndrome. And so this is about, you know, maybe a child with a disability, but reading this to me, this is life. Um, this spoke to me and this is everything that we have to do with grief. So I will read this. It's just a short essay. It says, I am often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience to understand it, to imagine how it be. It feels like this when you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and make your wonderful plans. The Coliseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say, what do you mean Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm su supposed to be in Italy. All my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy, but there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland and there you must stay. 
The important thing is that they have taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine, and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go, you must go out and buy new guidebooks and you must learn a whole new language and you will meet a whole new group of people you would have never met. It's just a different place. It's slower place than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills and Holland has tulips. Holland has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy and they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever, ever, ever go away because the loss of that dream is a very, very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to go to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. I love that metaphor. I know. I, I know. I really do. That's that getting a little choked up here because, well, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah. It's so, just, and I think so um, when I first read that, even after my friend sent it to me, and I was just like, that speaks to me because in my grief journey and in my life, and I think a lot of people can attest to that, whether you've had a death or you've had a person with a disability or a child, you know, our whole lives, we think we have, and we know what it's supposed to be, but you know, our journey is not ours to make uh, alone, you know, right. so you have to just accept the journey and that's where yes. we're at. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing. And and we are going to put a link to that, to her website, right, uh, in, yes. in the show notes. So because I think that's the sort of, and I think you've probably done this, but I think that's the sort of essay that every so often you might just need to pick it up and reread it yes. as, a, yes. as a good reminder. Oh, I'm in Holland. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you're 100% I need to correct. accept that I'm in Holland. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, Angie, I can't tell you how how much I've enjoyed our conversation yes. together. I mean, it was heartfelt. I love your your spirit and and what you're doing now that you've joined the elite crowd of being <laughs> over 50. It's very cool. And I hope that we can stay in touch. Well, I and, appreciate and so it. you can continue to share your journey with us because it's important. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I appreciate you having me on your show. And I, I'm glad I could share my story. And like I've always said, if, if one person heard this and I helped them, then I've done what I'm supposed to be doing. So, yes. Yeah. Small changes ripple out. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you did, please join our community on Facebook. There, you will find reading suggestions, meaningful dialogue, and additional stories of women who are going big. The link is posted in the show notes. As Betty Friedan said, aging is not lost youth, but a new stage of opportunity. So let's do it together. <laughs>